Hey, so I, I got a quick story. Uh, it's Bullethead Bob in Virginia Beach. When we lived in Virginia Beach. <laughs> Bullethead Bob? Yeah. I want to know about the name first. Yeah, well, Bullethead Bob, was, uh, was, he was a rugby player and he led with his head. And uh, all, all the people on the field would say that Bob was the hardest hitter and he was not a big guy height-wise. But man, he was built like a fire plug. And when I met him, he had a broken collarbone and and he was ready to check out. And so this ties into going to the meeting and seeing the newcomer, right? And Bullethead Bob was at this meeting and he looked as sorry as I felt when I came in and I didn't want to talk to anybody. And there he was. And, you know, I have the people that I got sober with and they're in my head, you know, they were like, hey, you need to go talk with them. And I went and I talked to Bob and I later found out that he had purchased the gun. And if, if no one had come up to him during this meeting, he was going to kill himself. Mm, wow. And that's real. Yeah. And he got sober and his family stayed together and he, they had kids and he finished school. And some years later, we were at a, a dinner and all the people in the room, he comes up to me, he says, Steve, he says, if you and I hadn't talked, he says, none of these people would be here. His sponsees, 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 and they were all in the room because yeah. of one conversation that I didn't want to have because I was in my own head, <laughs> full right. of self. I heard it through the grapevine. Welcome. It's the AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour featuring the collected voices of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm Don, an alcoholic in Greensboro, North Carolina. Such an alcoholic. Hi, everyone. I'm Sam, an alcoholic in Palm Springs, California. You sure are. <laughs> Don, what's going on with you, mister? Today... Today's wild. I feel it like a, a bus barreling down the highway coming at me. Today is my anniversary weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. On Sunday, today, when we're recording, we had a party and I changed the guest list of the party to all of my heavy drinking friends from just my regular friends, because I needed to get drunk and, you know, I didn't want my wife to bother me about it. So I wanted lots of drinking going on <laughs> during the party, seven, about seven o'clock at night. I went out on the deck. Everybody was gathered around. We were eating supper. My son hopped up and came across the deck and sat down right next to me. And my next door neighbor said, Don, you know, he watches every move you make. When she said that, the veil was lifted and I could see I am an alcoholic. I drink all the time, whether I want to or not. If I'm happy, I come home and I drink. If I'm sad, I come home and I drink. If I'm frustrated, I come home and I drink. And that's what he sees me do every day. He doesn't see what my justification is he sees every day I come home and drink and I'm not fooling him and I'm not fooling me anymore. It was like I couldn't pretend anymore at that second. I'm going to have to do it. At the end of the party, I sat my wife down. We were talking about this this morning. She said, oh, yeah, I remember. I had no idea that this was going on in you. I said, I'm going to go to an AA meeting. I'm going to call my friend Philip, who's in AA. Which he said this morning, it's like, oh, this is going to be something interesting. <laughs> and sure enough, it was. And she stuck with me through it. And I got sober. But I, I called my friend, Philip, and he took me to a meeting on Monday night. 
Now, so Memorial Day weekend, I kind of always relive it, but I'm talking about really reliving it. It's bizarre how real it feels to me right now. We're recording and it's one o'clock and I I can even feel like, oh yeah, people will be coming in about a couple of hours. You know, I was icing down the beers in the uh, cooler outside. It's like, it's like, it's so real for me right now. And uh, I'm so grateful that it happened, that I got to that place. How long ago was that, Don? So it was 28 years and one day ago <laughs> today. All right. Yeah. Well, do me a favor. Don't drink today, okay? I'm going to see if I can't make it. <laughs> and actually, that's more like doing the world a favor. <laughs> Sam, the very first meeting <laughs> I went to, they were talking about making amends to the people that I had harmed. I sat in that meeting and it made no sense to me because I'm a happy drunk. I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't hurt anybody. And I came home and told my wife, she said, well, <laughs> she, she said she was sitting on pins and needles. And she goes, well, how was the meeting? And I said, well, I, it was uh, interesting. They were talking about making amends for people I harmed. And, you know, I never hurt anybody. She started crying. And she said, what about our wedding? <laughs> I thought that our wedding, that the party after it was like the greatest party the world has ever known. You know, we got married on the 4th of July. So, I mean, I like holidays for major events. <laughs> <laughs> I had everybody outside singing the national anthem on the street. Everybody was drinking. It was a big drunk fest. And I, and I blacked out and uh, it was it was not about knitting our lives two lives together. It was about me having a good time. I realized that I was like, well, maybe maybe I did hurt some people. So a little crack opened and a little bit of light came in. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and that's been going on for a long time now. I'm so grateful to be sober today, but. I just wanted to share it because it's kind of beautiful when you have an anniversary like this that you can relive it. And I think I need to relive it. I think mm -hmm. I need to remember that. So, Don, I love to give you a hard time. You know that. <laughs> so here comes some more. But uh, no, seriously, I love that you are sober. You were one of the first people that I paid attention to in my recovery. And then I've gotten to be on this podcast journey with you all these years, and it's a fantastic experience. And it would not have happened had you not gotten sober. And I wouldn't be sober without you and everyone else in AA. It takes a village, a really <laughs> big village. <laughs> so who's our guest today, Sam? Well, today our guest is Steve L. from the Greensboro area of North Carolina. <laughs> that's right, but that's not where he got sober. And we're going to get to know him in just a moment. Hey, Don, how can I support the Grapevine podcast? Since the grapevine is self-supporting, we don't sell ad space in our magazines, on our website, or even on our podcast. Grapevine doesn't even accept contributions from AA members. What? If you want to support the podcast, visit aagrapevine.org and click on store. 
everybody. I'm Steve L. and I am an alcoholic. And the date of my last drink is April 21st, 1989. Serendipity is my home group, which meets in High Point. And I'm an active member of Alcoholics Anonymous. Hey, Steve. I've been curious about this. Your home group, Serendipity, is it close to you? Is that why you go to that? Because it's like an out-of-town group. It's a bit of a drive for me. Yeah, not so bad. You know, so when we started Serendipity back in 2010, uh, we picked a place that was close to the people who had started the meeting. and But then we had to move and it's right on the high point Greensboro border. So really close to my house, 12 and a half minutes. You can run that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's right. I love that you mentioned, though, that when you started the meeting that you picked a place that was close. We're looking at starting a new meeting here in Palm Springs. The people who are committing to making that meeting happen need to make it convenient for themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, too, Sam, is uh, when we decided to start the meeting, we were looking at the area as a whole. We started on a Saturday morning and there was no Saturday morning big book meeting. And so we were like, hey, this is a great thing to start up at that time at eight o'clock in the morning. Everybody's like, hey, why'd you choose eight o'clock? You know, (laughs) well, you know, when you're done at nine o'clock, nine thirty, you know, you still have your morning uh, on Saturday and you've gotten a meeting. And, you know, one thing that it was drummed into my head uh, early on is to stick with the principles Mm -hmm. that the the closer the fellowship can stay to the program, the better off that we're all going to be. Absolutely. So, Steve. You heard what happened to me on the day that I gave up and surrendered and came to AA. What happened to you? Yeah. So at the time, I was 21 years old. The last five years of my drinking, I wanted to die every day. Like you, I I had tried lots of different means to not drink, to try different brands, doing all that stuff, read inspirational books, exercise, all the stuff that the big book talks about. And it failed utterly. I came into Alcoholics Anonymous on crutches because uh, my doctor let me know that it's not a good idea to jump out of moving vehicles. Hmm. And he was right. It had seemed like a good idea. (laughs) It seemed like a good idea at the time, you know. And so I I was always a blackout drinker. I started drinking when I was 11 years old and doing all sorts of other things. And, you know, when your drug dealer brother goes out drinking with you and he says, man, you have a problem. <laughs> like, you know, who are you to say that, right? So, you know, having been to the psychiatrists and been in the mental institutions and lots of medication and and just making a really tough go at life uh, and really wanted it to be over, the day of my last drink, I went out uh, with all intentions just to go out to 11 o'clock and only brought enough money to do that. There weren't many money machines around, you know, the I Wait was, a minute. You said you only brought enough money to do that. Was that a control attempt? Oh, yeah, mm. absolutely. You know, because if you bring too much money out with you, you know what happens with too much money. <laughs> it goes away quickly, you know, to do the job. Right. You just yeah. you're just mm-hmm. trying to do a job. And anyway, 11 o'clock turns into 630 in the morning. I'm with people. I don't know who they are. We're in a place. I don't know where we are. And I remember putting the beer down. It was weird. It was half full. I was like, this is strange. I drove those people home and I had to be at work at eight and I worked for my father and they were eating breakfast when I got home. So it was more, it was like 630 when I got to the house and um, to say that they were not happy with me is an understatement. And my dad, who was a yeller, 
just he just gave me the look, you know, like you did it again. You know, you you're a bum. That's what he used to say. You're a bum. And and so I'm up in this uh, my bed and I got a cast on my leg and I want to die. And 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 I, I was I screamed out at God when I was right driving. Oh, the God that I didn't believe in, by the way. But of course, in deep down in every person, there's a, the fundamental belief that there's a God. And so I screamed out that, you know, if you're going to take me out, do it. And I got a phone call from my first big book in Alcoholics Anonymous, a guy by the name of Steve, and he was sober a year. And I went up to his house. He, he needed jumper cables for his car. He didn't need them when I got up there. We started talking about AA. He just looked good. For some reason, I just said, hey, can you bring me to an AA meeting? And that was April 21st, 1989. You know, what those people told me, I didn't believe what they said, but I had to go by what they said because my way didn't work. They impressed upon me that, right? They said, if your way worked, why would you be here? You're like, yeah, okay. You're having trouble with drinking, cast on leg, thoughts of suicide. Yep, yep, check, check. And they say, well, there's no middle of the road solution. You need to join the group, get a sponsor and do 90 meetings in 90 days. And then they said something to me, which I totally did not believe. You'll never have to feel this way again. Mm. It's it's pie in the sky when you're coming from having sat in front of psychiatrists and psychologists and taking all sorts of stuff to help it. And then you got these people that are happy, <laughs> like they're happy and they're not drinking, which is very weird. Yeah. And uh, they want you to join the little thing that they got going on here. And I, I was desperate and hopeless. And I joined and I did what they said because my way didn't work. <laughs> so, you know, Steve, that you never have to feel this way again. And I heard it when I came in, too. I gave it short shrift. It, this doesn't mean anything to me right now. It sounds like happy talk. It, uh, yeah, it does. But I have yet to feel the despair, the brokenness that I felt on June 22, 2003, when I came into these rooms. You get goosebumps when you talk about it. Like, you don't yeah. have to, like, just stop the fight. Just mm-hmm. join this thing and you plug into this equation and somehow it works. Yeah. That's why it's so good to remember it and relive it because I still sometimes will want to discount. I guess I don't want to do the work. Sometimes it's like, okay, I go to enough meetings or whatever it is that I don't want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to do morning meditation. I just don't feel like it. And I've got to remember that this is the stuff that freed me from that despair. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what was interesting about this group, first of all, the group was uh, into service work. And when I say they were in the service work, the group is called Pro Hill, and they took 50 speaking commitments a month. Wow. A month. They were active. And my sponsor, in no uncertain terms, told me, he says, look, he says, I want you calling me every day. You're going to go to the meetings I go to, and we have a business meeting each month, and you will be there. It was like, well, <laughs> and he says, I want you to take setup and closing. And, you know, and they, they had five people for open, five people for close. It's like when they said that AA is not organized, I was like, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> this is a well-oiled machine. <laughs> a DCM of District 23, North Carolina told me one time it's the setting up or the breaking down of the meeting. That's when one alcoholic can talk with another. That's right. 
And that's the biggest word in AA, we, in the first step. We all get to be together and you have those conversations that you might not normally have. But when you're with people and, you know, serving in Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, I've been asked to be on the old timers panel at the uh, state convention, which I, I don't know, an old. I, don't, I think you might need to add a little age to yeah, your voice there, Steve. <laughs> I mean, you don't look old. <laughs> I don't feel old. So <laughs> that's wild. What'd you think when you heard that you got invited to be on the old times panel? Should I feel offended? <laughs> no, no, you know, it's definitely uh, an honor. I think to myself of being of maximum usefulness. And I think, you know, programs like this and, you know, how, how do we pass along the message? These principles, this message, not something that comes from psychology, which is fine, but doesn't really belong in Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things I feel propelled to talk about is service work. And we all talk about like, hey, you got to get active in Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, there's got to be positions for you to, to be able to take, you know. And so if I'm the treasurer of my group and damn it, I've been treasurer for 10 years and I've been setting this thing up and I'm staying sober. And it's like, well, that's great for one person. But what if? You know, what if we could have greeters? What if we could give that guy with a year of sobriety, be the treasurer, the GSR after, you know, maybe two years, allowing people to have ownership in this group? It's the unity of Alcoholics Anonymous is in the home group. And how much better would it be if we could allow people to make mistakes? Because, you know, Sam, Don, you and I, we can set meetings up and we can do it for a long time. And we can give it to somebody and they're going to make mistakes. They're going to forget to show up. They're going to forget the key. They're going to do something right. And it's okay. They're not going to necessarily do it the way that we want it done. And it's okay. That's God's will. Mm -hmm. It's pretty unlikely they're going to break AA. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was reading the pamphlet, the AA group. It really talks about setting up service positions to give to newcomers. It gives somebody new a place in to feel like I'm a part of this group. Yes. Right. Back in the day, we talked about these old crotchety old timers and they were not afraid to hurt our feelings. And, uh, you know, and they told us things we didn't want to hear. Like, you know, I went to my sponsor. I missed my first commitment. He says, damn right. You need to be there. You know, this is more important than your job. Don't miss your AA commitments if you want to stay sober. You know, we say, well, you know, these new people coming in, they're doing things differently now. Uh, uh, uh. No, that's not the way this thing works, because us as being older members of AA have a responsibility to the people that come into AA to pass along the same message, the same principles that we heard. And we can't just say that it was these new people that came in that changed it. No, that's not how it works. We are responsible. Yeah. So your message as an old-timer on the old-timer panel is, we need to be crotchety old-timers. <laughs> well, I, you know, and I, I can be that. But, I can be that too. Yeah, we all can. You know, we can also say what we mean, but not be mean when we say it. Yes. So, I want to clarify something, though. The message is the message is the message, and let's not dilute it. Let's not change it. That's what you're talking about here. That could have been heard this new technology, these changes that are coming into the rooms and the way we can communicate with each other in the world, that that's not okay. We need to do it the way we've always done it. 
And no, we do look at new technologies. We do embrace things. How you and I are talking right now helped save a ton of lives during the shutdowns of the pandemic. It really boils down to, does it support our primary purpose? And if it doesn't, it needs to go away. And if it does, we need to keep it. It's simple. Yeah. But not easy. (laughs) (laughs) So you're a professional in your work life. I work full time as a civil engineer. How do you balance the things that you have to accomplish at work and be successful and do a good job and do everything that AA asks us to do? Yeah, the age old question. When we come into Alcoholics Anonymous and we're fresh, you know, the greenhorn, we need to be submerged in this thing. And for some, it's longer than others. And some need, you know, maybe a year, some maybe need five, six years. Who knows what that is, right? What I was told about Alcoholics Anonymous and attending meetings and and living a life outside of AA was that AA was made for that. You know, so like when my wife and I got married, we had kids. And, and I even told this to my daughter, who is sober five years. I said, could you imagine when you were little, if mom and I went to a meeting every night, every night for, for just years and year, there would be no time for us to bring you to any sporting events or any anything that you have. So I think there's times where we need to be doing those things outside of Alcoholics Anonymous. So There's a balance between what we do in AA and what we do in our work lives, our home lives. But AA allows us to do that. And I think it's left to the individual to make that decision where they are in their in spirituality, how they feel. You know, it's just like, when do you know you can go to an event where there's drinking? You know, some people right away, some people it takes them a longer time. But if we're spiritually fit, we can do anything, right? Not drink, of course, but we can go to those events. We can go live our lives uh, in in our workplaces, in our homes. And, you know, I've never would have thought that I would raise kids. Um, you know, I mean, I was a psychiatric patient, <laughs> you know, having t- trouble making the belts, you know. and <laughs> so. Well, and then having lived in this program, I'm able to go out into the world and be something that I was not before. Yeah. If you are not hurting anybody by going to meetings every day, you know, I'm, t- I'm talking long-term sobriety and you enjoy it and it doesn't take away from other things like your work or your home life. Hey, do it, but don't feel bad because you have home commitments, work commitments, and that you need to be away from AA for part of the week. But AA was meant for that. It was meant for us to get back out into society and to be able to have, you know, I love positions. That. Yeah. Well, can you give an example where you had trouble seeing what you need to do, where maybe you went too far one way or the other and and recalibrate and what was going on inside of you to do that? Karen did the calibration. (laughs) (laughs) Was a frying pan involved? (laughs) She was a little suspect. You know, when we started the group, like, wow, because it it takes a lot to start a meeting in a group, right? So it has to be tempered, right? It it can't be all in and all the time. So I think for me, you know, I just ask questions, you know, is this too much? And typically, Karen and I, we're not telling each other how to run each other's programs, that's for sure. We kind of have a litmus test and it's not even a real conversation. It's just we know what the right balance is. It's intuitively known. Was it always that way? 
Yeah. You know, interesting is like Karen and I rarely fight. I mean, like, I, I can't remember when the last time we had like a heated conversation. It's like, <laughs> and I, I grew up with yellers, you know, so. Yeah. So Karen lets you have sponsees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's never a discussion about that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I sponsor a lot of people, but I can only handle like two new people at a time. Mm-hmm. How do you sponsor? What do you do? Well, you know, and it has evolved. I used to be a crotchety old timer before I was an old timer. I was crotchety. <laughs> you were so much older then. You're younger than that now. As yeah, like it's true. I, I like to go by, I, I had a blacksmith for a sponsor and he told me, uh, he says, Steve, he says, I'm going to tell you what's good for your sobriety. And he says, and if you do it, that's great. He says, I'm going to stay sober. He says, but if you don't do it, that's great too, because I'm going to stay sober. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So like, don't take it personal that the guy or gal didn't do what you asked them to do. And because we all have our own will, you know, and mm-hmm. there's all degrees of hopelessness. And some people don't come here hopeless. You know, They come here to get someone off their back or to get the, the, the relationship back. And that's okay. You know? Okay. So how do you sponsor? What do you do? Yeah. So I, I ask people to call me every day. And I expect them to make a meeting every day to get phone numbers and to join the group and to get active in the group. And more than checking a box, you got to be honest when you have the thought of a drink because it's going to come. You know, why do so many people drink and they just all of a sudden they come back and they said, I just started drinking. You're like, no, that's not really how it happened. If they come to me, if someone comes to me and says, I feel like drinking, I can help them. If they say I'm drinking, well, you know, <laughs> I could get you to a detox, you know, and then we can work with you. So that's the beginning stages. And, and then typically I try to get the people I sponsor through the steps in the first year, not a race. There are tools in a toolbox and I'm going to show them what the tools are. They're going to get a kind of an idea of what those tools are and how they can apply it. And then over time, uh, they'll learn how to use those tools by sponsoring other people. And I think You know, there's a short circuit that goes on that some people feel like you have to have lots and lots of time to sponsor people. I think that after a year and you've been through the steps, I think that's a good, you know, and that's not hard and fast, right? Um, But I think we need to, and we need to, you know, people need to, to give this thing away. And so I expect the people I sponsor, because it's a simple program, it's one alcoholic talking to another. That's all it is. You know, Dr. Bob had 16 days when they saw Bill Dotson. He didn't have a year. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to work on myself today. Bill and Bob just decided we're not going to the treatment centers. We're just going to hang out and work on ourselves for two years. (laughs) Well, and it's important to note that helping other people is working on myself. Yeah, because you get asked questions and then you have to think about how, you know, and you're not always right. <laughs> you know, it's like we're, but if you don't know, we have sponsors, we have running buddies. Um, someone's got the answer, yeah. right? Sometimes people have some pretty perplexing things going on in their lives, but there's always somebody that can have a similar experience and has dealt with it. Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. It's yeah. been great chatting with you. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. It's time for listener feedback. Hey, folks, we want to hear your comments. Call 212-870-3418 or write us at podcast at aagrapevine.org. Yes, I'm Larry. I'm an alcoholic. I'm from Durant, Mississippi, 
I just wanted to say how Grapevine has helped me. I'm a truck driver, and I listen to it all the time. And I just wanted to say thank y'all so much. That's all I got. Hey, Larry. My, thank you so much for calling in. And, wow, listening to the podcast while you're driving a truck, that's a lot of time on your hands, I'm sure. I bet you get to go to a bunch of different meetings, too. Uh, that's That's pretty cool. Thank you so much for listening, and really appreciate you calling in. Be safe out there. Hi, Don, and um, I can't remember the other guy's name from California, but this is Nancy B. I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, and uh, I just listened to the podcast this week, and it just helps me start the week on a really good note, listening to it Monday morning, getting reminded about why I'm so grateful for AA, listening to the stories of others. It's just awesome. So thank you guys so much for making it funny and making it fun. Have a great day. Hi, Nancy. Thanks for calling. I'm glad that you like the show. And, you know, we try to keep, we're serious, but not solemn. We are not a glum lot, and we try to keep it that way. Thanks for calling from me and from what's, what's, uh, Sam, that's it. Sam, that's, I'll tell you what, I understand calling in and not having it all down exactly what you're going to say. I do it all the time, but I'll tell you this much about Sam. If you ever meet him in person, he's unforgettable. Hi, John. Hi, Sam. Uh, My name is Joe. I'm an alcoholic. I'm from Grafton, Wisconsin. I'm just calling to leave a couple of comments here. I really liked the last episode where Carissa was talking about the phone list commitment. I have kind of a ironic story. So about a couple weeks ago, I got a call from someone. Well, it was actually a text. Um, he was looking for help, wondering if I could be a, a temporary sponsor. So I called him back. I don't know. I've been working with this guy for a couple of weeks. And I go, where did you get my number from? I'm just kind of curious. He goes, well, oh, I got it from a temporary sponsor list. And I swear, I must have put my name on this list probably like, I don't know, three years ago or so. I don't even live in that city anymore. Just kind of amazing to me, like, how people find you because this is something, you know, you do over the years and you think, well, I don't know, this is kind of dumb. Nobody's going to ever call. What's the point? And uh I don't know, he's been great to work with. So I really like the episode. So I gave him a link to Where Are Your Feet? I said, hey, you need to get a home group here. Maybe you could be the phone list guy because that's how you found me. So I don't know. I really appreciate the podcast. I also wanted to say, too, there's been some people that have been listening and they kind of run out of episodes. I run out of episodes, too. So every now and then I'm guilty of going to the Boiled Owl podcast and I get to hear you guys as well. So I got a joke for you here. Why did the alcoholic call the AA Grapevine podcast hotline? Because it never cuts you off. Man, this is great. I wish I had a sponsor that had a voicemail like this. You know, the amount of BS I've said before on the voicemail, you know, the thing cuts you off and you're like, oh, do I call back or what do I do? You know, how long does this go? 99 bottles of beer on the wall, 99 bottles of beer. Take one down, pass it around, 99 bottles of beer. (laughs) Joe, oh my God. 
Uh, so many things going on in that voicemail because it does go on and on. Thank you so much for calling. I love that you you got a call from putting your number on a, uh, a phone list. I have never, in 20 years, I have never gotten a phone call from my phone number being on that list. So I love that. And then to suggest that the fellow become the phone list service person at that group. I love that. Thanks for jumping over to the Boiled Owl. I, I got to listen to one every now and then just because it takes me down memory lane. I'm so glad you enjoy it. And Joe, regarding being able to go on and on and on on the voicemail, you can go on and on and on. And I'm just going to go on and 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 on. Hi, folks. What stories do you tell about the big book? Was there sometime in early sobriety a passage suddenly lit up for you? Did you struggle with a passage? Perhaps you have a fond memory of reading with your sponsor or group. Tell us your favorite big book memories. Stories are due October 15th, 2023. Visit aagrapevine.org to submit. Historic Short Snort from July 1958. Cash and whiskey amounting to $455 were stolen from a cafe at 4416 West Salston Avenue by gurglers who pried open the door. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining us. The AA Grapevine Half Hour Variety Hour is posted every Monday and is produced by AA Grapevine, Inc. We don't speak for AA as a whole. We share the experience, strength, and hope of members to help others recover from alcoholism. Podcast info, including how to call in, is at aagrapevine.org slash podcast. Find AA Grapevine on Instagram and the AA Grapevine channel on YouTube. All things Grapevine are available at aagrapevine.org. If you want to know more about AA, Google Alcoholics Anonymous and your city or visit aa.org.